HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This week on Meet and 3, we continue our trade series with a piquant look at the many faces of the spice trade. From the high price tag of saffron to the ubiquity of chilies and the potential ripple effect that farmer protests in India may have on the global spice market. You know, farmers are, are protesting because they feel like their lives and livelihoods are on the line. You find it in a lot of cured foods like cured meat and Parmesan cheese. Um, you also find it in ripening foods like ripe tomatoes are very high in uh, MSG. So there's sources of it all over the natural world. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today on the show, we have Erica Kubik, the cheese preacher behind the cheese advocacy company, Cheese Sex Death. Erica, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Um, yes, I think you have some fanfare in the cheese world. <laughs> um, I, I, I have to say, I didn't, I've never thought that cheese and sex should go together, but uh, you've thought. It should go together. How did you get to this? Well, to be honest with you, I've always felt that eating was super sensual. You know, I'm just like really expressive when I'm enjoying food, not in a super inappropriate way, but like sometimes. But So that's where um, it really started. But I've always kind of thought that cheese and sex were linked in a deeper way, especially because cheese is a product of sex, essentially, you know, it's, it's lactation in order for an animal to lactate, it has to be pregnant. And in order to get pregnant, well, it has to have sex. Mmm, touche. I see where your brain went on this. Very good. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. So, so how did cheese sex, cheese, sorry, but it has like a tongue twist to it. Cheese sex death start. How, (laughs) how did like, you were just like eating cheese and it came to you one day? Like what, how did this begin? Basically, I was unemployed, right? So I had been working in restaurants. I had been working as a cheesemonger for a year. And 
essentially I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life but at the time I was working on a series of different blogs none of them were amounting to anything they were all kind of silly they were just like film reviews or restaurant reviews or things that I really didn't have a ton of authority to be talking about anyway but I just love sharing my opinion so I was um and yeah I was visiting my dear friend in California and we were just kind of both unemployed at the time both trying to figure out what we were going to do with our lives and it just kind of came to me in a very like come to Jesus moment mm-hmm. um we were just like on a walk I can remember the exact day that it happened and we were actually hiking and I was like yeah I, I'm writing these blogs I'm obsessed with cheese I know I want to devote my entire life to cheese so I guess I'm gonna start a cheese blog and then my partner was with me at the time and he was like girl you're goth you look like you're having an orgasm when you're eating you should call this cheese death sex and then later I talked to my mom about this and I was like mom I'm gonna start this cheese blog it's called cheese death sex and she was like (laughs) "Uh, honey honestly cheese sex death has a much better ring to it so oh, that's man. how the baby was born. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to ask you at some point if your mom approves of this. I am glad she helped title your <laughs> your brand. That's I mean, what's up. she took it with a couple grains of salt. That's for sure. But so, she does love so it. My parents good. are super supportive. Oh, that's great. Um, <laughs> I wanted to actually bring up to the listeners out there. I can't believe, well, I, I should be able to believe, you have 37.4 thousand followers on Instagram. How do you feel about that? I feel very grateful. I think it's just so exciting that there's so many other people out there that appreciate sensual pictures of cheese and appreciate learning about cheese. Like as much as I'm all about the cheese porn at the heart of it, I just really care about educating people about how to worship Jesus. (laughs) If you say it that way. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really cool that that many people can come together on Instagram and just like look at pictures of cheese and have a good time. I, I think you might have more than most creameries is my point. So that's bravo oh. and kudos to you. I mean, it's good. You're spreading um, cheese information. Um, and I guess I wanted to get into then, how do you design these posts? Do you do a lot of research before every post? Do you do everything yourself? How does it work? It's really changed over the years. I, I still do everything myself. Um, I don't currently have any interns, though I have worked with some in the past and they have been incredibly helpful and brought so many amazing ideas to the table. Um, It used to be back in the day, I would, I actually have a background in social media marketing. So I used to take like a very scientific data-driven approach to planning out my posts and making sure that like, I always had some great content to get up there at the right time. And over the years that just got really boring and exhausting. And I just, it just wasn't clicking with my creativity. And honestly, I just got really burnt out on it. So nowadays, I mean, I haven't really been posting a ton um, Mm -hmm. recently. However, it's really more of the moment. I'm definitely focusing on like, what am I actually excited about right now versus what is everyone going to react to right now? You know, I just want to like share that connection. So it's, it's, you're going, well, I think it was authentic before, but because you have to post so often... I mean, it's hard. I understand you have Uh, to... The pressure really gets to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you probably... Would you say you map out like a month in advance or is it like by the week? Right now, um, it's by the week. Right. Ideally, it would be by the month. You know, when I've, I used to do social media consulting and I always told people to go by the month and try to have a great game plan so you can just get ahead of it. But uh, it's, it's difficult to do that and stay creative. Yeah, no, I hear you on that one. Um, 
how has your life changed since becoming cheese sex step? How has it changed? I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a hard, I guess my life has just become more about cheese and more about the like fundamental mission that I feel that I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, before I just never really had an outlet for this, even when I was a cheesemonger, like you would get somebody coming up to your counter and you got to share your excitement. You got to share your excitement with your coworkers or like other cheese friends. But I, I just kept wanting more. Like I just wanted a bigger platform. Um, so yeah, I mean, cheese sex death really gave me the best avenue of expressing that. And it's also giving me like a new community outside of our, you know, our cheese industry is so fabulous and they've been so supportive of this, but I also get to connect with the people who aren't necessarily cheese experts or cheese professionals and they just really like it. And they just want to understand how, how to know this food the way that us in the industry do. I see. That's yeah. I, that's, I love that you've gave, given it a new twist. Um, <laughs> d- I read in Joe Berkowitz's book, the uh, the new book American Cheese Odyssey. He mentioned uh, he mentioned you quite a bit. Um, he mentioned your cheese themed burlesque show. Um, are you going to yeah. be organizing more of these cheese burlesque shows? I would love nothing more. Um, we actually were trying to get one together for 2020 because that one was in 2019, and obviously that fell through for so many reasons. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But I. You know, I've noticed that I have a lot of people who are in the burlesque industry following me because they kind of, they just like understand the connection between sensuality and enjoying food. I think in a way that it just becomes, I think it becomes a little bit easier to them. It's the nature of like their expression as well. So honestly, the two worlds collided so beautifully that night. It was so much freaking fun. I mean, we had Jordan Edwards, the famous Jordan Edwards. Um, He actually built a cheese plate inside a coffin. He was super supportive, too. He helped me go pick up the coffin from the props (laughs) warehouse with his big old van and then filled it with cheese for me, like use the skeleton that I got. It was really so freaking cool. It was just so fun. I mean, the energy of an event like that, you just can't really... Can't really match that. You'll have to let us know uh, when you do your next one so we can, like, shout it out, you know? Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, So uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you make cheese sexy? How do you interpret that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think she's already sexy. I especially, I, I feel like the cheese will kind of tell you what it needs in order to be sexy. And by that, I mean... Let's say you get a cheese that's like like a small wheel of Harbison that's a little bit underripe. You know, you could dive into that cheese right there. She'll be sexy. She'll be good. But if you wait a couple of weeks, obviously you get that gooey, super, you can't look at Harbison when she's at peak ripeness and not be taken aback by how sexy she can be. Like those cheese pulls. It's my favorite cheese to use at a class or an event because you get to show people how it does that crazy spoon stretch. It's mm-hmm. so much fun. Yeah, and I think also, you know, I always say when people ask me, like, how do you cut certain types of cheese? I always say that you have to listen to the cheese. You know, if you have a perfect triangular wedge of manchego, you want to slice it into those triangles to make sure she, like, keeps that perfect shape. Or if you have a really crumbly cheese, like, you want to, I like using the spade knives to just, like, dig into it and, like, chop off little crumbly bits. Um, but it'll tell you that it wants to crumble. She's like already knows how sexy she is, but she'll communicate it 
and try to tell you how to, I guess, capitalize on it isn't the right term, but really show that off. I like that cheese is a third person here. <laughs> it, always, it's, always. It, it's amazing. Um, so I heard some knife cutting skills in there. You mentioned you were a cheesemonger. How long were you a cheesemonger for and where did you monger? I mongered at Pastoral here in Chicago. They closed down just before the pandemic. So I think in like late 2019. Um, but I actually only worked there for a year. After that, I started working in restaurants and I just like, was really desperate to keep working in cheese. And I I tried to I definitely had a period of trying to like talk to the chefs about like how they were storing their cheese and how they were cutting their cheese and like how they were presenting it. And, you know, there's there's a lot of chefs that don't really like to be told what to do, especially by like a young girl who has never worked in a kitchen before outside of a sandwich line. So didn't go over too well, but like it definitely showed me that I needed to get back into the industry somehow. You weren't like, I'm cheese sex death. Don't you know who I am? Um, exactly. <laughs> and they were like, no. <laughs> Sorry, not, not, not listening. That's a chef for you. Um, exactly. Um, do you consider yourself an influencer? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have influence. I know that when I post about a certain cheese or I share a recipe or a pairing, like I see people making that so obviously i'm influencing their decision and influencing the way that they approach a certain cheese and there's a lot of power in that i think sometimes the pressure can like be in the past it's been a lot but i also it's very empowering too because you get to you know improve people's day if you show them an amazing pairing or an amazing recipe that they really love so i sort of have a tricky question here um is i know get ready for it um is sponsorship okay for instagram posts and if it is what is the line to keeping it authentic how do you keep credibility with that oh my god such a good question um i actually don't think this is tricky at all i think if you like a product then you should absolutely be paid for your time in order to create content for it um, I think that it can get the the line is very fine. If you don't like the product and you're still posting about it, like that is to me a sin. Like that's not how it should be going down. I think that if there's a if there's a message that you already want to convey, and let's say like a certain brand decides to pay you in order to create that content and also give them the promotion, like that's that's great. You know, I think a lot of influencers and a lot of content creators are kind of get to a point where they're really tired of doing everything for free. And it's it's really hard to make a living in that realm. And I don't think that you should ever completely 100% rely on just getting sponsorships because I think even when the content's great, it can be kind of tiring for the viewer to constantly see that sponsored by and that paid promotion tag. Um, but if you're doing a good job and you're, you know, creating bang for the buck, then I don't, I think it's great. It's an opportunity for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And uh, so what do you think of the overall marketing in cheese? Like looking at today's merchandise, merchandising and marketing and the, and the pages and the promo books, what do you think of all that right now? I think some of it is really great. I love how the labels are changing like there's some really cool labels out there especially like talk about crown finish caves like the queen of the label amazing um and i think you know merchandising is definitely it's like not my expertise but there's a lot of cheese counters that i frequent that i think 
are doing such a great job and it's make, you know, the way you lay out a case can make things more approachable or make it set a standard for the type of experience that the whoever's visiting the cheese counter is going to get. I think that the biggest struggle for everyone in our industry is social media. It's such a monster. It's such a beast. And it can take so much time and feel so overwhelming and so confusing. And for those small creameries, like the ones that are farmstead, they actually have to take care of their animals. They have to take care of all the stuff that happens on the creamery and then also focus on marketing and distributing their cheese. Like, hell no, you don't have time to go on social media. That's <laughs> ridiculous. And also, like, where's yeah. the budget to hire someone to do that? Oh, yeah, totally. Like, imagine, hang on, let me get this udder. Oh, wait, I need to like this and engage with this person. One second, please. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God, it's ridiculous. So I guess, what is the solution? Do you think, what would you suggest to, I mean, yeah, what would you suggest to the creameries and to the, the cheesemakers or, or labels that have been around a while? How do they How do they help themselves in this situation, do you think? I mean, the bigger... The bigger brands, it's definitely the right move to hire somebody to make that their sole focus. Mm -hmm. For the smaller ones, I do think that the secret is influencer marketing. And you don't have to go for the big influencers. You do not have to go for people who have 100,000 followers who will charge you a lot, I mean, thousands of dollars for a single post. Like, those aren't the people to go after. The people that you want to talk to are the small scale influencers, the people that do have a big impact in their community or just whoever's following them and just see if like they're open to supporting you or even open to trying your product. A lot of the time, if you have a really good product and you send this to someone, like they're not going to even ask to get, not a lot of the time, but some of them won't ask to get paid. They're just excited about supporting a small company. Wow. And a great uh, product. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. I just want to take a quick, quick break. Listeners, this is Caroline on Cutting the Curd and we have Erica Kubrick. Cheese Sex Death, and we will be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conte within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conte. Conte takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conte is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com.
Okay, welcome back, everyone. I am Kara Warren. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, and I have Erica Kubik on from Cheese Sex Death. She is the cheese preacher. As Am I correct to call you a cheese preacher? Is that... Absolutely. That's how I identify. Okay, great. And then uh, can you tell our listeners what is cheese church? I mean, do you have this on a, a legal government document, by the way? Like, if you're marrying someone, you can say you're the... the was it cheese of church or church of cheese like um... oh my god i wish <laughs> honestly i've looked into it i'm married to a lawyer actually so i should say to be completely accurate he's looked into it okay. but it's really <laughs> hard to start an official church i mean in my dreams i'll do that and like honestly it is a goal for the future to start something like that but it's it's really difficult to do that. Like the logistics of it are hard. It's hard enough to do a non-for-profit, but a church is even worse. Ah, taxes. <laughs> That's where they got you. Got it. <laughs> yes, of course. Isn't it always? I guess, um, it, I but guess it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think as far as like what is cheese church for me, it's really just a safe space. Like it's, I've struggled with defining it over the years because having this religious bent to my branding has been, it's kind of always been there. And at first when I started doing cheese church, every Sunday I would just post pictures of a special cheese or a special theme um, on Instagram and Facebook. And like, that was that. And that was cheese church. And then eventually I started doing like live or Instagram lives on Sundays. And then I also did events on Sundays and called that cheese church. So for me, it's a place for me to go and preach the curd word, um, and really encourage people to just sit down and take a moment to themselves and mindfully enjoy some cheese. Oh my God. But it's kind of the way I encourage that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I love it. I, I'm just, I'm oh. so fascinated by this. Um, uh, <laughs> who, who is a cheese slut to you? Oh, anybody that loves pleasuring themselves with cheese. Okay. <laughs> it's just another word for cheese lover, but I feel like a little bit more like the next step. Well, and that falls really up into my next question, which is, and is anything oh. cheese, uh, cheese sluttiness, is there anything that goes too far to you? You know, I think as long as people are enjoying themselves and like no one's getting hurt in the process, like it's all good. I would say personally, if I'm going to go into like something that doesn't work for me, um, I think sometimes I see people putting a lot of accompaniments with their cheese, which is (laughs) great. You know, if you're loving it, that's awesome. Keep going. Do your thing. But when I see like a beautiful cheese that I know is really good and has a lot to offer when it's just like naked all by herself. And I see someone put like a fig and a piece of chocolate and honeycomb and there's also an onion. I'm just like, wow, that's a lot. I kind of feel bad (laughs) for the cheese. I don't know. That might sound crazy, but I'm like, girl, you've got so much to show for yourself. And here you are buried under all of this. Like, it's a little sacrilegious. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I think that would be a little bit of a, a crazy flavor combo. I'm glad that you, you're you watching out for the cheese sluts out there. Um, uh, I, a funny sort of odd, but how many pairs of underwear have you sold through the cheese church? Oh my God. Kind of a lot. Honestly, so the, my shirts that say cheese slut on them, um, those are definitely my best seller, but they've also, I think I've been selling them since like 2018 2017 um but in the, the panties don't go as as much they don't go as fast i think it's just 
kind of more awkward to give like your mom a pair of panties that say cheese slut on the butt. <laughs> but um, more than I was expecting. They're also like, I have to say they're really high quality and super comfy. So, but I definitely want to expand that line. Like what if there could just be a, a whole line of cheese lingerie and like other cheese undergarments that just made me made people feel like special about themselves. Um, I told my wife about it and she was thrilled. She was like, let's get that. And, well, anyway, a little well, TMI to listeners, but anyway, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, so it, in a segue to that, uh, where can our listeners start to learn about your cheese church or purchase the merchandise? I'd like to give a shout out to the, to your site. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I would say Instagram and Facebook are the best places to stay up to date. Um, if you're interested in my merchandise, you can go to my website, cheesesexdeath.com slash shop. All of my, um, all my merch is up there. And yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, things have been pretty chill for me because I have been working on my first book and that's taken like all everything. So for the past couple months, I haven't really been posting or like really going forward on any initiatives aside from trying to make sure that this book is everything I want her to be. Do you have a title for the book and, and when it's oh. coming out? Well, we have been going back and forth a lot about the title, so not yet. But um, sh- the pre-orders will open in spring and the book will be on sale in the fall. So we don't have any specific dates. Congratulations for my due dates. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's very exciting. Um, Was it very hard to pull that together? Uh, How did it go for you? Not really. So basically, um, I used to work with Culture Magazine and somebody that I used to work with there launched a publishing agency and she basically reached out to me and was like, hey girl, you got to write a book. And I was like, obviously I've always wanted to, but who am I to write a book? You know, that imposter syndrome hits real hard. And she really pushed me to do it. And honestly, I already kind of knew the exact book that I wanted to put together. So it was really hard to do it, especially during the pandemic. But I knew, I knew the plan, like I knew the general layout and it has changed a little bit, but not really that much. So would you say this is something you're the most proud of cheese wise, or is there something else that tops this? Oh, that's a really hard question. This is cutting the curve. (laughs) (laughs) I I think as far as like my career is, yeah, this is the thing I'm most proud of. And I just, it's basically like a a handbook for cheese and everything that I love about it, but more geared for the cheese beginners versus like, I mean, there's so many incredible books out there for us curd nerds. Like literally I'm staring at the Oxford Companion to Cheese and that's my Bible, but I really wanted to create something that was like, a little, you know, just super digestible for the everyday cheese slut. And yeah, it's the, it's the thing I'm most proud of. I just feel like it's going to completely like change my approach to my career too. You know, it's like, I feel like everything's been building up to this little baby. Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. I I understand how moms feel. (laughs) You're like, this one's coming out soon. I can't wait. Um, (laughs) um, So what is your, I guess, I mean, you've already talked a lot about cheese sex death, but is there, do you have more ambitions for it? Do you, what do you hope will happen next for cheese sex death you know i i don't know i mean so much is focused around the book right now but i think obviously you know i know exactly the thing that i care most about is getting back into events i think that my um 
idea for like what kind of events I want to do has changed recently due to the pandemic. You know, I used to be the person that was like going into people's homes and just like, like uh, teaching small groups of like bachelorette parties or like birthday parties about cheese. And like, that's what I was calling cheese church. And it was super fun, really great. But I really want to put that on a larger scale. Like I kind of see larger ticketed events where kind of similar to like the vibe of CMI and like, and um, counterculture and just like all those amazing cheese industry events, but like built for the consumer, Mm -hmm. not just to get people a peek behind to see like, what is it like to be in this industry, but also to just give them that safe environment that's you know a little bit ritualistic like I love I was brought up Lutheran and I'm not Christian anymore obviously I literally worship cheese but (laughs) I do love the ritual of a church service like if you take away the stuff that I always found boring when I was little and you apply it to like something you really care about like cheese I did love Jesus back when I was little for the record but now (laughs) I'm all about Jesus and I want to make like a church that's for that, like where everyone can come together. It's very tongue in cheek, obviously. Like I don't want it to feel too culty, but I think people really enjoy the idea of a religion like centered around cheese, you know, nothing too heavy, but just something like silly. Like maybe we pray, maybe we sing some gospel. I don't know. There's always a Eucharist, but (laughs) (laughs) that's, you know, it's loose right now. I'm not really sure trying to like figure out what's going to happen once the pandemic is over. And like, once I have a little baby book out into the world, but that's, that's the dream. I, I love the dream right now. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, do cheese sluts celebrate Valentine's Day? I, we have it coming up, so I'm curious. Uh, what what would you say Valentine's Day is like for a cheese slut? I think it's like one of the coolest cheese holidays. I think a lot of people get really hung up on like the stupid Hallmark heteronormativity of it all and like the expectations and it can be such an annoying holiday but if you just lean into how cheesy this holiday is <laughs> it's a really good time i mean there's chocolate there's roses you can eat cheese in your lingerie i whatever you want to do whatever gives you pleasure it's really especially this year when we can't do a lot mm-hmm. i think it's really important just lean into like the pleasure that you can experience it's just like an indulgent holiday where you can celebrate love and that love doesn't have to be between two partners it can be but there's so many other people so many other things to love wow amen to that um so (laughs) you're you are set you are on your way to cheese church i love it um uh i asked you to create a special pairing and uh it's a surprise to me what you've done and and it's a valentine's day theme maybe i i don't know uh what did you come up with for today I mean, I feel like almost any pairing can be Valentine's Day themed, but I definitely leaned into that a little bit. So I am lucky enough to have a little wheel from Cypress Grove from one of their newest cheeses called Little Giant. I don't know if you've tried it yet, but it's so delicious. She's very different from like her sister. She doesn't really have a humble quality and she is a bloomy rind cheese with a lovely little cream line. Definitely a little bit more delicate than some of the other Cypress Grove cheeses but classy little soft ripened goat's milk. Um, so I have her paired with some of my favorite chocolate. My favorite chocolate maker is in South Bend, Indiana. It's called Violet Sky Chocolate. And I have his Kajeta chocolate. So it's just like a, a goat's milk, like caramely, caramelized white chocolate, I think at the bottom. Um, I'm not exactly sure what his 
preparation is but it has like big chunks of dark chocolate in there and just like the perfect amount of crunchy sea salt so i just kind of use it as crackers and like put a little bit of the cheese on top and then i chase it with some slices of cara cara orange because i love eating seasonally and like i'm all citrus all day right now wow okay that's uh i like what you did there very nice um, I'm curious about the little giant. It it has an ash line yes. or it does not? It does. No, no, no? ash. She's just bloomy. Yeah, oh, wow. much more delicate rind too. Like I was really pleasant. I really, really like her. Oh, I'll have to just look like out dense for that. center, creamy cream line, delicate rind. She's lovely. Yeah, I definitely highly recommend. Mm. And very small too. The packaging's really cute. Uh, I believe it with Cypress Grove. They're good at their packaging. Of course. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm curious. I, I sometimes throw this question at people. What's in your fridge right yeah. now? Do you have random cheese in your fridge? Like, what's going on in there? It's kind of overwhelming. To really? To be honest. Really? Yeah, well, so I, you know, had to sh- I shot all the pictures in my book. So uh, I've had to kind of have like a revolving door of like bringing in beautiful cheese and then like trying to eat it or give it away. And like, I haven't, honestly, I haven't really wasted any, which is really a testament to my ability to eat cheese. But oh um, So there's a lot. And I also like, even if I'm not just buy, like buying to like take pictures for the book, like I will go to a cheese shop or like a, you know, grocery store and like find certain little like deals are just like wheels that I can't resist. Like at this co-op near my, um, in my neighborhood, they had a full wheel of Green Hill from Sweetgrass Dairy and of Merry Goat Round from Firefly. I know. And they were like way too cheap. And they also were really far from their expiration date. So I have this like little drawer in the, um, in the door of my fridge where I will always like store my whole wheels and just like, I'll flip them every couple of days to make sure they're aging along well. But it's because it's a little bit warmer than the rest of the fridge. It's like a great place to just put the young wheels and get them nice and gooey. Dude, I got two of those. You have whole (laughs) wheels of cheese in your fridge. I mean, next thing you know, you're going to have wood slabs in there. Or I got to get Jessica Sennett to talk to you. Cheese grotto or something. Oh, my God. I'd be way too scared. I would would never actually (laughs) engage in, like, aging cheese myself. I'm just like, no, that's for the experts. Right, And I just respect them so much. But, like, I know my place is to, like, take what they did and then make, you know, take pictures of it and show people how to enjoy it and tell people to buy it. Like, that's my role in the cheese industry. You're like, Jessica is amazing at what she does. And I'm <laughs> yeah. going to let her do it. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. But uh, maybe there's like a goth combo where she'll like paint it all black <gasps> one day and put <gasps> slate in it. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just oh my God. brainstorming because so you guys, cute. you both have Make amazing Make it a little friends. church. Yes, there you go. You'll put like a cross on it or something. <laughs> or oh, a cheese symbol so of some sort. You never know what like these the... things like in the um graveyards in new orleans the way that like their tombstones are they're above ground oh yeah it kind of looks like a cheesecake it does this is what i'm talking about (laughs) brainstorm there it is um erica i wanted to say thank you for coming on cutting the curd today this was awesome oh thank you this was so much fun i appreciate it i can't wait to see your book i'm looking forward to your posts um listeners uh you can follow erica at cheese sex death uh, the same on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can follow me at Kara Warren and Cutting the Curd at Cutting the Curd. And I just want to say to everyone, eat more cheese, stay safe, um, and thank you.
Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.